Hey there, photographers. Did you know there are four different levels that most photography businesses go through? Well, I want to share those levels with you and give you some tips to help you get to consistent $2,000 sales as quickly as possible. And even if you're just starting out, well, it's probably within reach for you too. So join me for this free live training where we are going to talk about those four different levels and what's required to move from one level to the other to help you making more money in your business right now. I hope you'll join me. Just click the link below to register for free. Welcome to the Hair of the Dog podcast. I'm Nicole Bagley, and today I have my special guest, Jessica McGovern, and we are going to be talking about mental health and also how to continue to take care of our mindset and make sure that we are showing up in the best possible way, not only for our business, but also in our life. Uh, We have a great conversation coming up, so definitely stick around and enjoy. Welcome to the Hair of the Dog podcast. If you're a pet photographer ready to make more money and start living a life by your design, you've come to the right place. And now, your host, pet photographer, travel addict, chocolate martini connoisseur, Nicole Begley. Hey, everybody. Nicole here from Hair of the Dog, and I am here with my special guest, Jessica McGovern from That Photography Spot over in the UK. Jessica, welcome to the Hair of the Dog podcast. Hello. It's really good to be here. Oh, yay. I'm so excited that you're taking the time to share with us today. So excited to have you here. So thank you for that. Yeah, before we get started, do you want to just kind of give us a little background on you and your business and all that good stuff? Yeah, sure. So I make <laughs> I make videos about photography on the internet. So kind of like you really, Nicole, to be honest. Um, yeah, so I kind of fell into it. It was, it was, I just, I just kind of started it for fun. Um, <laughs> for fun. Uh, <laughs> um, I started it for fun, kind of, well, I first started in 2014 and then just kind of stopped because it was like, I'm rubbish at this. And then I found those videos again in, um, early last year. And yeah. I was like, oh, people want to watch this. And that shocked me. Um, so I thought, oh, I'll just do some more. Let's just, you know, see this. And it was really fun. I just really enjoy the process of creating these videos. I love teaching. It's just two things that go great together. And then it grew. And now I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm trying my best. <laughs> none of us, none of us really do. <laughs> Let everybody in there on a secret out there. We're all just like flying by the seat of our pants. <laughs> exactly. hundred percent. Absolutely. <laughs> and I think it's funny too, that, you know, when I started my photography business in 2010, had no intention of it turning into this kind of like you. It's just like one thing starts to go after another. And yeah, I love teaching and I loved helping people. And then there was more opportunity to continue doing that. And it was so rewarding. And now all of a sudden I'd look around and I'm like, Holy cow, how'd I get here? What, what it's, happened? So, it's just mad. <laughs> like you just blink and then it's like, Whoa, okay. We're, we're going in this direction and it snowballs and you just kind of ask people, you know, what do you want? And then you end up just doing that. And then that's your life. And it's, it's just yeah. like, what happened? Yeah. But no, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, no, it's, it's brilliant. It's been really, it's been really tough. You know, the, the topic that we're going to discuss today, that that's, it's been hard. It's not been straightforward yeah. because I am not, I'm an introvert. I don't like being in front of the camera. Like I really don't. So it's been, it's been really, it's been a massive l- mountain. I was going to say a learning curve, but it's not. It's been a, it's been a, it's been a freaking mountain, you know? Yeah. Right. Um, right. 
so yeah it's been it's it's been interesting because a lot of the time I'm just like what what am I doing what am I doing not that I don't know what I'm doing it's just more like I'm having to push myself through so much stress and pressure and uh, trolls and stuff and it's just like why am I doing this? I didn't sign up for that. <laughs> oh my gosh, especially YouTube. I don't I like YouTube all the trolls rough. live on YouTube. <laughs> YouTube is by by and large the worst place you can possibly be. Um yeah. to be honest. But like the trolls are really brutal. But sometimes they're not even sometimes they're not even trolls. Sometimes they're just people and they're just mean. It's it can be it's brutal. Every single day we have yeah. nasty things. And sometimes it's just someone being a normal troll and then other times it's really personal and it right it that's been uh an experience and people are like well you signed up for this i'm like well actually actually let me stop you there my friend no i didn't actually (laughs) but yeah you take the rough with this move i think yeah no this i mean this is a great conversation to have too of you know this whole entrepreneurship whether you're you know a photographer or a photography educator or anything where you're running your business but especially in the photography world whether photographing or educating it's such a personal thing yeah. and so much of us of our personal blood sweat and tears and personal ego and all of those things are all wrapped up and all of the things we create, whether it's our artwork or education. And man, it is hard. And I think this whole entrepreneur journey, it's like by far, it's like it's trial by fire yeah. of, of personal growth. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, anybody that's starting their business, if they think they're going to come in to any sort of business, just be like, oh, it's all going to be sunshine and roses and everything's going to be perfect and there's never going to be a hard day. Well, you're very lucky that you haven't had the hard day yet, but but they're they come and they're it's hard and it's it can easily get derailed and you can easily go into this place of I'm not cut out for this. Who do I think I am? What, what am I doing? Forget it. I'm going to quit the whole thing. I mean, I know I've said all of those things to myself numerous times. Yeah, I think I did that like yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> We're laughing, but I know I'm yeah. dead. I'm deadpan serious right now. <laughs> No, um, I think it's. I think it's so true. Um, I think imposter syndrome is a massive thing that a lot of creatives have. I think just by nature of what we do, it's so subjective. Mm-hmm. Some people you can't please everybody, and I think that's something that. Well, I personally try and remember that all the time. So there's some statistic. Don't quote me, but there is a statistic <laughs> that five percent of people will just dislike everything. They just dislike everything. So you. If you can make sure that you're helping 95%, then we're doing a good thing. So I think it's the same in in business. Business is inherently tough. I have seen that growing up. You know, my dad has um, had his own business and I I saw him graft, proper graft. I barely saw him. He just Mm -hmm. wasn't there because he was always working. And that kind of work ethic, I think, is instilled into me. That's kind of why I am glued to my desk as well but I think it's maybe came from 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 him but he I remember there being really bad days with his business and seeing the fallout of things going really wrong you know being sued for this or Mm -hmm. uh, you know having a massive issue having a competitor steal his product which did definitely 
happen on more than one right. occasion he bought the company that copied him that was his method of dealing with it was he would just buy them out I'm like dad that's not the way to deal with this <laughs> but yeah that it's 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 been interesting to grow up with it because I think a lot of people don't have that they've got mm-hmm. parents with normal jobs and the, the they go to work and they come home and spend time with the kids and that's great that would that would have been great that, I'm yeah saying that. that would have been really really great but me and my brother would both have our own businesses and we've always done that. That's, that's just been what, what we've done. I think we grew up into it, but it's, it's never going to be straightforward. And I think it's always, there's always going to be people waiting for you to fail as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just got to kind of keep, keep going, try not to get too much in your head, which is so much easier said than done. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's also so much easier said than done to not focus on the perceived or actual comments that are negative. Because a lot of times, especially I think in our like photography creation, you know, if we're in the photography business, we're putting out a new piece of work or a new image we created, and we're really proud of it we're really scared of, oh, people are going to dislike this and say something mean and say something rude. But really, truly, they usually don't for kind of when we're sharing our artwork on our things. It's so much in our head. But you know, sometimes you get to these other things, such as on YouTube. That's where I get my meanest comments is on YouTube. (laughs) And it's always YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, everyone says, well, don't focus on it. But it's so hard you You read this and it's like it feels like a dagger to your heart and you're just like oh my god like you can probably just keep scrolling or not watch it like and then and these people that you know it's so disconnected because it's just behind a keyboard so i think people feel empowered to just like i've had a bad day so i'm gonna make everyone else have a bad day too which gosh it's just so hard to deal with it is i mean there's been there's been a couple of times where I kind of I try I try and take the like kill them with kindness approach. So mm-hmm. if somebody's been really mean, which sometimes they are, and they kind of talk about me as though I'm not a real person, so uh, she they're like commenting and they're like she's doing she's saying this and all that stuff. So I reply like, hey, she here. Um, <laughs> and like, <laughs> That's pretty funny right there. <laughs> <laughs> and she's trying to be like not quite sure what's going on with you today, but I really hope that you're having a good day and, and stay safe and well and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Just, just be like, okay, I got yeah. you. And they sometimes really just do a 180 and they're like, oh God, she's real. Like, she's, this is... Like, I'm like, not a robot. I'm yeah. an actual person. <laughs> she's a real person. And um, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes that that's interesting because sometimes they'll turn around and they'll be like, oh, you know, try and backtrack it. Uh-huh. And just like, you know, just, you know, be a nice person. Um <laughs> So I mean, I I think YouTube is is always going to be polarizing because it's not that regulated mm-hmm. in terms of like YouTube itself doesn't do a lot to stop. Although they have very recently, they have started to put in kind of filters that screen mm. things out, which which do work. Sadly, I can still see those comments; they're just not publicly posted. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> That's when you have a team member go through those. You're like, I yeah. don't even want to know. <laughs> so, Rachel, Rachel does all the comments, and she'll yeah. sometimes say, "Have you been on YouTube today?" And I'm being like, "No." She's like, "Okay, don't." And I'm like, "Really? <laughs> well, now I have to go look." <laughs> really? Um, sometimes I find like the worst thing for me is the stats and it's the same across every single social media platform for every single photographer you see Mm -hmm. people like my a lot of my students will post on Instagram and maybe it didn't get as many likes as they wanted it Mm -hmm. to and 
So they delete the post. I'm like, where did that post with the dog in the bluebells go? And they say, oh, it bombed. It did really bad. So I deleted it. I'm like, I don't, I don't even, I don't even do that for my own images. But I can really understand why people do that because it makes you think, oh, you know, that's a really bad post and it must be really bad. And I don't know why people don't like it. And and a lot of the time it's the algorithm that just picks something mm-hmm. up and you've got no control. But the numbers are the worst thing for me because I. When you, as you all know, when you go into YouTube Studio, you, you get the stats and like it's the arrows. Like, are you doing well or is it oh, red? Right. Are you doing really bad? Uh-huh. <laughs> you, you have the arrows there, and so they're they're not great. There was a a, a set that I know um, Jared Pollan, Frono's photo. He did a video on it because they didn't update on the app, and it literally said your videos are doing really badly this week, like uh, in words and. And <laughs> that was really rough though. I'm like, I know, I don't need you to tell me that. Right, like, right. I can, I can see. Yeah. And then the other side of it is that in your content list where you can see like all the videos in the list, I, I know this because I do it all the time. I go onto it on like a tab on half my screen on my iMac and there's like the list of videos there. And you'll know as well as I do that it, right on the right hand side, there is the likes and dislikes. Right. yeah and the, the first thing I do the first thing that I, and I don't know why because I know I don't want to know I know I don't yeah, it's just our, our human nature we have to like, we have to look to, I just have to look and I'm like okay how many dislikes does this video have and it's like it, this is making me feel awful I yeah. don't and sometimes and even when the likes certainly outnumber yeah, by tenfold, hundredfold, yeah, like we still just our human nature is to focus on those couple that of dislikes. One, yeah, like that mm-hmm. one or two. And and you know the funny thing is I've said it before on my Instagram stories because some people are like, why is there always just one dislike? I'm like, I don't know who it is, but they're helping with my engagement rating. So I'm kind of okay with it. But deep down, it does it does hurt. And it's like I don't I'm not going out of my way to try and please everybody anyway. So Yeah. Why do I care? But you do. It's just human. Yeah. It's just human nature. You just want to be liked because you know evolution has meant right. us need to be social creatures, and we have to feel like we fit in. And if we don't mm-hmm. fit in, then we're probably going to die. In right, kicked out of the tribe, yeah, and eaten exactly. by a bear. <laughs> exactly, one hundred percent. Yeah, but unfortunately, social media has basically made this three thousand times more intensified. Yeah, obviously that number was just made up, but. <laughs> intensified a lot for sure yes 100% agree yeah I mean it's just so easy to get bogged down in that external validation and not even for a validation of okay when this does well I do well I feel good but a validation of if this doesn't hit like this new image that I posted if I don't get 100 likes then I'm not a real photographer I'm not worthy I mean those are very real emotions that the people feel and it has nothing to do with your image and like you said it could all be the algorithm it could be that you posted on a Thursday evening and something else was viral or this or that and it didn't get the engagement because your people were sleeping who the heck knows? Or maybe just people are having a rough day and they're just scrolling by. You know, we make up all these stories in our head of what likes mean, what don't not likes mean, what comments mean, like just what anything means. We're just making up stories. And usually those stories are, gosh, things that don't always make us feel good. No, I think it's it's really easy for, for us to kind of go down this rabbit hole and it's it's next to impossible to to do 
but I do try and kind of distance myself a little bit from the numbers. I try not to look at the numbers if mm-hmm. I can. If there was a setting on my apps where I could just turn them off, I honestly would. That's actually a really good idea. <laughs> yes. YouTube, are you listening? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> um, and Instagram. God, Instagram yeah. would be, you just don't look at the stats. It would be very freeing. I think it's 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 good to not look. I I try. I don't look on Instagram, so I don't check how many likes a recent post has done because I know that mm-hmm. if I post, because mo- my Instagram following is mostly uh, dog photographers. Yeah. So I know that if I post something that's a human, it's no, it's going to do nowhere near as well as one of the dog pictures. So I don't get too hung up on that. But definitely in terms of something, Facebook is the most annoying one on the business pages because. Facebook doesn't like business pages getting any reach at all, right. ever. So on those ones, it can be a bit frustrating because if you link out to anything, it Facebook penalizes your post. So you, you can't add links at all, right. which can be really frustrating. And then if you add Facebook ads, that's where the other trolls live. Yes. <laughs> they the live on YouTube and Facebook ads. Although, to be <laughs> honest, on Facebook, Facebook ads is a one place where I... I like to bring it to the trolls in a way. Like, yeah. I work with them, or I have worked in the past, still do a little bit now with big businesses. And so they've got massive ad budget. So you, you're thinking like 30 grand a week. So well, 30, yeah. like 30,000 pounds a week or 30,000 pounds a day in some cases on, on ads. And it's really fun to be the personal social media for that because you're disconnected from it because it's not your right. business. You're because not emotionally not your invested. Name. Yeah, yeah, you're not exactly. emotionally invested in that. Uh-huh. But you're like commenting as the company. It's like this massive brand, international brand. You're like on the comments. And I just love to just throw them a GIF. I just get the GIFs out. We just, I just try and have a bit of banter with them. And honestly, I find myself hilarious. On these <laughs> I don't know what they think, but sometimes they find it hilarious. And a lot of the time, other people find it hilarious. So <laughs> I find Facebook comments like sometimes the best because you can GIF where you can't GIF reply on YouTube. Yeah, that's true. Which is so frustrating because my <laughs> life would be solved if I could just add some GIFs. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's all I need in life are more GIFs. <laughs> Like on the phone, like, hold on, I'm just going to text you because I can't respond verbally to that. <laughs> just like, what GIF illustrates the situation? There is a GIF for everything. Everything. That's true. I'll have to add that as a special training, GIF training 101. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I remember when I taught my dad how to use GIFs on his iPhone. Oh my goodness. Watch that. It became so fun. <laughs> you just reply every, every question we ask, you just reply with a GIF. It was great. That's really funny. My mom's in that phase right now. (laughs) It's so funny. I'm like, Dad, you're going to have to use words again. (laughs) It's like, not yet. Not ready. Not ready. (laughs) So what advice do you have for, let's say, those photographers that are, you know, out there, they're getting their work out there, but they're just feeling just really anxious about putting anything out there do you have any words of advice for them I think it's difficult because I I feel the same way so yeah it's it's hard to be like yes do this because you will feel completely free because I, I can't I can't promise that but what I can say is that this time last year if I look back at the photos that I was producing if I compare myself to myself this time last year 10 years ago whenever it was the progression has been insane. And in the last year alone, I just 
went and did my own thing and stopped caring what other photographers thought. And now I find myself getting hooked in. I've been in a really bad place mentally over the last few weeks. And I've realized exactly why. It's because I'm embedding myself in photography groups again. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's that pressure. And as soon as I removed myself from that in terms of, you know, it's great to get critique and it's great to uh, reach out for feedback 100%. Mm-hmm. Absolutely would never disagree with that. I just think that it's good to get critique from people who you know and trust. So it's positive and constructive critique that mm-hmm. that you asked for rather than it being unsolicited advice from the internet, which is a big thing. So I think it's important to know that my greatest progression and my best work has been when I've not cared about what anyone else thinks at all. Mm-hmm. That's huge. And the the comparing your work to your past work and only your past work is also huge because I see so many people that get so frustrated and they just want to hang up their camera and quit because they're comparing their first year work to somebody's 10th year work. You know, all of us started somewhere. All of us started with, I mean, I share some of my crap images that people bought and I feel really kind of guilty that they bought those images. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Oh, really? Oh my God. I printed that as an artwork somewhere in somebody's house. Oh, I'm so ashamed. Like we've all been there because you you don't like, you know, you don't grow up as a toddler, like with the, you know, like savant perfect uh, photography world. You have to learn these things. So yeah, that comparison to other people at a different part of their journey is, I think, one of the most toxic things we can do. Sure. I think, it, it, you know, social media is is the world of comparison. Before, mm-hmm. we only had to really compare ourselves to our immediate friends and family, you know, like our close circle. Or if you needed to or wanted to, you could compare yourself to, you know, magazines or what was on TV. But you knew, you knew it wasn't real. It just seems like with social media, we, we see everybody else's highlight reel, which mm-hmm. we do. We see everyone's highlight reel every single day. And you're comparing other people's highlight reel to your behind the scenes. And the, the two are never going to stack up anyway. But a lot of the time people say, you know, um, I can't do it. I can't do your, your style if they're on the course, for example. Can't get the backgrounds right. Can't get my composition right in camera. I can't do this, this, and this. And they're making a massive list. They started photography like a year ago or two years ago or something. And they practice as much as they can around their full-time job. And that's great. But they're expecting to be they're running before they can walk in, in mm-hmm. actual fact. I just say, look, it's it just, whoa, which is what you used to say, just whoa, like hold up <laughs> and just go back and break it down. Just do it in like little bits. Mm-hmm. You, nobody is going to get mad at you if you don't take an award-winning photo today, which is something I have to remind myself of every day. <laughs> Yesterday morning I was like heading out to a shoot and I was just like putting so much pressure on myself, like just piling it on. I was like, what am I doing? It, three, four years ago, five years ago, when I knew less and was a lot worse mm-hmm. than I am now, I would have been so excited going out to that shoot. And now yeah. I'm like, I don't want to do it because I'm so in my head about how it has to be perfect. And I just thought that was ridiculous. So I put my music on really, really loud and sang all the way to the shoot. <laughs> <laughs> and um and got there and I just had it I was just like you know let's just have a good time and the pictures are amazing yeah I think yeah we 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 are our own worst critics 
and we don't need to be because yeah. we're all just doing our own thing. So just do whatever you want to do. I I just saw a thread actually, you know, funny, funny that just before we came, we had this call. Yeah. I saw a thread on Facebook from one of my students and she won't mind me sharing the, the situation. She's learned this new technique where she does textures in Photoshop and uh-huh. um, she applies them to all sorts of her images. She does lots of wildlife photography. Amazing work. And um, she's using her textures and somebody's commented saying, uh, you know, I, I think this would be better if the texture didn't cover this part of the image, right. whatever. And she's literally just replied and said, it's great that we all like different things. That's, That's a great way to comment. And I was like, okay. <laughs> That was good. Um, I'll have to put that in my back pocket. That's a really good that we all like different things. Um, (laughs) But it is, you know, people people say, no, I don't like this. I don't like that. I think you should do this differently. And it's like, I think you should do this differently to be more like what I like. Right, exactly. And and that end bit is the point that kind of ruins the whole thing. I think it is, for me, as long as an image is technically sound, Mm -hmm. I don't care. I, don't, I genuinely don't care. And I know some people would not care if it wasn't technically sound. That's fine. But for me, if it's technically sound, I don't care. It could be any style. It genuinely yeah. doesn't bother me. Yes. Yeah, that's the technically sound piece. Um, that's definitely, you know, something I like to teach my students that are early in their photography journey. It's like, all right, this is what makes a technically sound photograph. And, you know, and then once you learn that, then you're able to start kind of playing with different things you know, it's that same thing. You got to walk, learn to walk, learn the rules, and then you can mix and match rules and do whatever you want to start to create different things. Okay. And yeah, and just follow what you love. I, I One thing that I hear over and over again with the different people that I've talked to on this podcast, people that are killing it, people that are doing really, really well, there is a common denominator and it is they are following what they love. They're following the path that they are aligned with. They're not trying to create art for somebody else. They're not trying to create the same art that somebody else is creating. Because I think a lot of us fall into the trap too of saying, oh, well, I really like that. And that person's successful with that style. So I think I'm going to create that same thing so that I can be successful too. But you'll be more successful if you actually create from something that you love and what's inside of you. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, I, I think what you said is is perfect because I think it's great to learn with another photographer that that you are really inspired by or whose work you adore. I think that's mm-hmm. great. And I would always say to people, instead of doing a formal education like a degree, mm-hmm. use that money and the time and go and see if you can spend it with a photographer that you you know, love and admire and do that instead. And I think it's good to learn these tools and techniques that other people have and know. So the workflows that, that say, a European photographer might use, mm-hmm. and then the, and that's really geographically specific. But you know what, you know what I mean? So yeah, 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 you know, right. Different workflows, these different skills, these different elements that they bring together when they're shooting, and even different genres and different styles. Mm-hmm. And learn all of these different skills and techniques and then just see what recipes you can create by yourself. But you won't ever go anywhere unless you fail. You have to mm-hmm. make those little failures. It's just like dog training, you know? If I'm doing, because I do positive reinforcement training, clicker training, I need them to make failures. I need them to make bad choices mm-hmm. for them to know the good choices as well and what gets the reward so 
I think it's the same when you're doing photography, you know, you have to do things and go, yep, no, did not work. Not for Mm -hmm. me. That's okay. I will remember that and move on. So as long as you can self-critique your work and try not to compare yourself to somebody else, but to how you were yesterday Mm -hmm. or last week, there is a caveat around that though, because sometimes, so like I did some really good work last year and then I've just felt like totally off my game. I can't do it. I can't get the same. It's just not working out. I can't get the same look. I can't get the same feel. The standard of work has dipped. And so I was like, I'm, you know, I'm just going to give up, stop, which is just my head talking. Right, right. Like, I've apparently hit the best that I can do. I might as well like quit now. <laughs> well, I just like, you know, with all those awards, I'm just going to retire now because I've peaked. Right. <laughs> That's yeah. it for me. But no, it's been really difficult to kind of like c- come back and see if I can. I was putting so much pressure on myself to reach that level mm-hmm. every day that I was just never going to reach that level again because the pressure was so high. And so I just kind of sat back and like, you know what, I'm just going to look at some things I want to do, like personal projects, passion projects, and just look at it a little bit differently and just do something because I want to do it. So in Mm -hmm. February, we started a project. It's just about finished. I've got the first test print over there. So I just, I glanced to my left, which Nicole <laughs> will have seen. Um, but none of you guys. <laughs> none of you guys can. <laughs> um, but yeah, they've got the first test print from that. And you know what? Just that experience of doing that for me, it's taken, what are we in May now? Mm-hmm. So it's, not, it's not finished yet. And we're still months in. But that process of doing that and exploring that and just trying some stuff and seeing what works has been infuriating. But brilliant, like so creatively mm-hmm. freeing. I think everybody should do personal projects because mm-hmm. that's why you, well, probably that's why you started photography in the first place. It was because you just enjoyed doing stuff with a camera. So why not go back to doing that if you're finding other things too difficult? Yeah. And you have no pressure from like what the clients want because you are setting everything up for you to create something magical and amazing. And if it's not magical and amazing, then okay, we learned some lessons. What can I do to, to make that? And you know, that failure, people get so scared of it, but it is, it's a necessary step. I mean, I'm pretty sure all of us when we were learning to walk fell down a few times. Did we quit? No, we got back up and tried again. Probably even hit our head and, you know, like, cried, hurt. Um, But yeah, all of those things, you have to just keep on trying. And by having that failure, it also kind of creates a contrast of what we want and what we don't want. And if you never create that contrast, then you're never able to actually, you know, figure out what it is, what direction you want to go in. Sure, for sure. I mean, like, it's like, I know I put full edits on YouTube, which is something that I don't like to do because for so many different reasons but primarily for me I don't like to put the full edits on YouTube because people follow the exact steps at the exact Mm -hmm. values that that are seen on my image that I'm working Mm -hmm. on on their image and then they get frustrated because it didn't look like my image did at the end but we started at different places and right I'm working on a Sony if you're on a Canon you don't need to go anywhere near as far on your adjustments as I do because Canon RAW files, as you probably will know from working with so many different students and different cameras, is that each individual camera system has a massively different Mm -hmm. variability in terms of the files. So I'll go further than maybe somebody with a a Canon would, but someone with a Nikon could probably go a little bit further depending on which aspects we're looking at. Yeah, yeah, right. And so people are putting the exact same 
adjustments, the exact same shadows adjustments, the exact same radial strength, the exact same opacities on images that were shot in different countries, let alone different, you know. Different lighting conditions, different lenses, the whole nine yards. It's never going to look exactly the same. And it's that process of learning that critical decision-making, how much of this do I need to apply to get mm-hmm. the result I want? That is That could only come through trial and error. It could mm-hmm. only come. And sometimes I look back at my work from this time last year and think, why well, went way too far? <laughs> that is way too strong. But, We've all done that too. <laughs> but we can't, like, you can't live your life just consistently going back to a piece of work and trying to make it perfect because perfection doesn't exist. You have mm-hmm. to call it at some point and just go, yeah, that's done now. Let's move on to something else. Yeah. But if everybody critically assesses their own work and picks three things that went really well and three things to improve next time, but frame it as a positive and then actually work on those three things next time, it just it does genuinely change your mindset. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. That's 100 percent true. You know, I think this this business in general becomes such a a hard business to be in because we're all mostly working at home alone. Uh, You know, we have some friends on the internet, but then our internet friends, we usually find those in those groups where everybody's posting all those images and we jump down that comparison rabbit hole that never ends in a good place. And yeah, and it's just so personal because it's a personal brand. You know, even if it's not your name, it's still you and you are so tied to that business. So it just becomes a recipe for just really challenging really challenging headspace. I know one of the ways that I have found to to try to get out of, you know, when I feel like I'm in a funk, you know, it's well, let me back up for a second too. And truly anytime that that you feel just not positive, you know, you're just like in that slump and and wherever it is, I mean, it's because of something that you're saying in your head because our thoughts equal our feelings, the thoughts lead the feelings. So whenever you find yourself just feeling kind of blah, or bad, really like to start to ask ourselves, sorry, what am I thinking right now? Because a lot of times we don't even ask that question, we just continue to sit in that feeling of yuck. And sometimes then it spirals down and gets worse and darker. But really, whenever we start to feel that just asking that one question of like, Oh, my gosh, what am I thinking right now? And then trying to kind of reframe it, or make a gratitude list, or I have like a little list of 10 things to do, like, you know, putting on the music and singing or going outside in the sun or, you know, just some quick things to kind of get in a better mood. So I think it's one of like the most, most important habits that we can try to have. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I saw, sorry. It's okay. (laughs) It's not coronavirus. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) I can't promise it though. Um, No, what I was going to say was, that's so true. I did like I did an exercise last night. I mean, I will admit that straight afterwards I sent my husband a WhatsApp message that that read, and I quote, I don't think this worked because I don't feel any different. But, <laughs> but the exercise itself in in principle actually is quite good. So you you write your because usually it's it's in reaction to a positive experience and you can add negative feelings to it. So if something goes really well, you can be like, well, that's only mm. because it was a fluke. That's only because mm-hmm. I did this or say business is going really well. That could, you could have a feeling that it well, it's not going to last. It's, mm-hmm. it's going to fall apart. Someone's going to pull the rug out from underneath me is one of my sayings that I've yes. to use. 
Mm-hmm. And also similarly, if it's really bad situation, if something's going bad, you, you know, struggling to get clients coming out of lockdown or whatever it might be in those situations, you will have negative thoughts and negative experiences. And often, just like you said, you kind of frame it in a really negative way, in an unhelpful way, mm-hmm. should we say. It's unhelpful. Yeah. And part of this exercise is basically to list those things, those negative thoughts and feelings. And then there was another column that was next to it that said something along the lines of, but next time I'll remind myself that. So you, if you have a negative feeling, you feel like because business is going really well, mm-hmm. you well, it's not going to last. It's all going to fall apart. I'm not going to be able to do it. Everyone's only here because I did one good thing and I can't keep doing that. Do you know what I mean? Any, anything yeah, yeah. that negative self-talk that you could have. And then you answer that, write down what you would do next time to remind yourself. And actually, that was a really interesting experience to do because it was just so right. It's yeah. weird because both answers were right because they're so used to the negative talk. But you wouldn't say that to a friend. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't say that to, well, I don't know, you might <laughs> if you're a mean Depends how much you like that friend. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't do that to a loved one. You wouldn't say that to your child or to your spouse. Again, it depends who they are. Yeah. <laughs> if you still like your spouse, yes. <laughs> this metaphor has fallen apart. <laughs> <laughs> no, we get it. You know we get it. Child, I mean. your child. That one. That one is yeah. unconditional. Yeah, um, you, you wouldn't say that yeah. to your dog. Should we say? Uh-huh. So yeah. you wouldn't say that to a child. You wouldn't say that to someone that you love when they need you to be supportive. So why are we doing that to ourselves? It's just strange because sometimes we can identify the thought process processes, but we can't change them. Mm-hmm. And it's that interruption that we need to have a tool, a toolkit. And and I started doing this. Um, I've got a scrapbook upstairs again. You guys can't see, but I just pointed at the ceiling. <laughs> um, I've got a scrapbook upstairs. I'm not a scrapbooker. It's not, it's not my vibe, really. Um, but I started doing, like, not clippings, but kind of printed out some photos from my phone and kind of went through a whole period of my life and just put in kind of not just the good stuff. So it was the mm-hmm. bad stuff as well. So say like my, my granddad died in, in January last year. My other granddad died in May last year. So I couldn't go to the May funeral because we were in lockdown mm-hmm. um, and you weren't allowed to. But I did go to the January one and we planted a tree. And there's a photo that we had on my phone of us planting this monkey puzzle tree at his grave. So it's really random. Sorry. But- oh, good. This is good. This is good. <laughs> this is like me. This is just normal day. <laughs> <laughs> so I have like these pictures and, and they're not all positive, but for every year, I kind of picked like eight to 10 images and just printed them kind of super small, nothing fancy, and just mm-hmm. stuck them in this book so that a spread is uh, a year of life. And I did it at the start of last year. So 2020 didn't have a spread. And it was really, really good experience because I could look through it and I didn't just see the highlight reel. So I didn't just Mm -hmm. see, oh, this is all of my successes that I've had because that's great. And I think it's good to look back and remember those things. But I don't think that necessarily helps when you're in a really low space. Mm -hmm. But what can help is seeing the bad times that you've gone through and Mm -hmm. are now stronger because of. So having that balance, because life is never going to be all good. It's never going to be, but then at the same time, it's never all bad. There's always good to find in every situation. So 
I've I then you know at the start of this year did 2020 did but and that was weird because it was like the first one where I've actually like had to do it for the you're year. like oh here's my kitchen here's my living room here's more of my kitchen <laughs> exactly and you know there was some things from like YouTube there was something from from the awards but there was also like some like some bad things as well in there it wasn't all right. great I mean I don't think I put a troll comment but I probably should have. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there was like you know my granddad's tree and yeah. there was some lockdown things there was like because we got married just after lockdown so my dress fittings were all like in a mask with social distancing with the seamstress which is interesting yeah, right. <laughs> the seamstress <laughs> try and pin you into a dress while socially distancing is impossible um, but like there's all these pictures and it's memories isn't it and I think yeah you know, if we're in a bad place we only remember the worst Mm-hmm. And if we're in a good place or if we're in like an okay place, we only remember the good things. And we can be in a comparison spiral with other people on the internet. And it's like, I know people compare themselves to me and I know that. And there's nothing I can do to stop someone from comparing themselves to me. But everybody sees most of the time my good stuff. Everybody compares their dogs to my dogs, for example. But they don't see my dog chasing after a deer in four fields away because I'm not going to put that on a YouTube video. (laughs) Right, right. It's never going to be all good and all bad. But most of social media is everybody's all good. Mm -hmm. So also somebody else's, the grass is always greener was kind of where I was going to then that like I get really emotional when I see children on other people's feet, so like other people's children on their feet, because I still have not been successful in that department. But mm-hmm. we'll, we carry on. Um, but having that, and I, I get really kind of upset and emotional about it because I can't have that. I don't have that, and right. and I want that. And it, I know that that's kind of an extreme example, but I think it. If a lot of people would look at me and go, "I wish I had everything that she had," mm-hmm. and I'm sat here going, "I wish I just had your child." Mm-hmm. That sounded a bit creepy, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I know what you mean. Yes, yeah. It, it's it's so easy to look and just want to trade places with whoever you happen to be looking at because you just have no idea. But literally, every single person has different trials and tribulations that they go to, and sometimes you know about them, and a lot of times you don't. So you just you have no idea what's going on under under the surface. Yeah, and I think we all kind of um, make these judgments or pictures about about people, other photographers, a lot of the time, and they could be really negative and really damaging. and And I think that if if you, if I saw something in a photography forum again. One of the, you just can't. This just not a good place to be, is it? Um, <laughs> I saw something in a in a. It was a Facebook group. And it was actually really nice. Somebody, another photographer had been uh, slating this photographer that was posting for something that they did. They were a newborn photographer and they did poses in props. And this other photographer didn't do poses in props, but was saying that people who do poses with props are bad. They're, you know, dangerous. They're, you know, taking advantage of the child, you know, all sorts of stuff. And it was interesting that the comments under that weren't like, what an idiot. Why would they say something like that? All the people commenting just said the same thing in that if you have to pull somebody else down you have to pick pick holes in somebody else to make yourself feel good or look good in a business sense or in a personal sense that says more about you than it Mm -hmm. does about somebody else but I think it's very easy for us to and I think everybody's guilty of this I don't think there's a single person on the planet that isn't I'm happy to be proven wrong but I genuinely don't that 
we all look at other photographers' work and we will sometimes just pick faults in it for the sake mm-hmm. of picking faults in it. And to make ourselves feel better. Exactly. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's really bad. But I also think it's now so natural that it's really difficult to get out of. But if, if everybody can really just check themselves and be like, hang on a minute, that wasn't a very nice thing to think. That wasn't mm-hmm. a very nice thing to say. I mean, I sit and hear on different Zoom calls and whatever. People, I don't know if you guys have a different word for it over there, but bitching. Do you? Do you yeah. yeah. So like, <laughs> people bitching yeah. um, about other people behind their backs. And mm-hmm. I, I sit and listen to it and I just think, Jesus, this must be what they do to me. You right. know, like this must happen to me. And then I find myself bitching and I'm not that, I'm genuinely, I know some people say that, but I'm genuinely not that kind of person. Mm-hmm. And Dan, my husband, I was on the phone. I was, I was partaking in this conversation. Mm-hmm. So therefore I was encouraging mm-hmm. it. And he just looked at me like with this look of sheer disapproval. It was like when your parents were like, I'm not angry. <laughs> I'm just disappointed in you. And he looked at me and I just, and I was like, what? And then I was like, oh, and I literally said, I'm really sorry. I, I, I don't feel comfortable joining in this conversation. Yeah. And just basically change the subject. But I think it's so easy for us to go down that rabbit hole, join into a uh, Instagram group message, mm-hmm. a, a WhatsApp message, a Facebook group, a YouTube comment. Uh, it, there's just no need for it, you know? No. Yeah. And I think it's something that it's other people are doing it. So you're like, oh, and then like, I think there's some kind of like subconscious brain, like you're part of that group. So you're Tribal. like, oh, like tribe, I'm part of this like group. And then we're this really tight group, but at the expense of somebody else and nothing positive comes from that. And yeah, it's just the the company you keep is so important. Yeah. And I think if you, if you partake in negativity like that in any Mm -hmm. aspect of your Mm -hmm. life, because it it just, it's not just, it's in anything, but you will find that the more you partake in that negativity, Mm -hmm. the more negative your general mindset will become because mm-hmm. instead of looking for the good in things, you're looking for the bad all mm-hmm. the time. And then that, that translates to yourself. So I, I think I know it's really difficult. I know it's a bit, you know, unicorns and rainbows and stuff. Not that there's anything wrong with unicorns and rainbows, but if you just try and see the good in situations, you'll find that, that then when you get hit with really tough times, you will be able to see the positive in that situation. And that can be really brilliant for your resilience and it's strange how something so simple just not bitching or not mentally even thinking yeah that's not a good picture because of xyz Mm -hmm. there is obviously limits and barriers to all of these things but in general terms that can be really helpful and healing and i think also it's good to acknowledge that you've done it you don't necessarily need to tell that person that you've been bitching about, that you've been bitching about them. Because sometimes that's going to make the situation worse. Most of the time that will make the situation worse. But you can go, you know, okay, that wasn't cool. That wasn't okay. And Mm -hmm. that didn't help them and it didn't help me. So let's not do that again. Yeah, you have to acknowledge the the situation of what you of your behavior, you know, yeah. of just even to yourself, like you said, you don't have to publicly stand up and yeah. tell everybody, but just to mentally say to yourself, oh, whoa, what am I doing here? Yeah. And to be able to make a decision to not act that way. 
Yeah. And I think it's tough because I think throughout school, you know, high school. Oh my gosh. Um, my daughter's in middle school now and it's yeah. just like, like, like get more than two girls together and you're like, oh exactly. God. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's so normalized mm-hmm. through everything, through media, through films, through whatever it might be. It's so normalized that it's really difficult to see that it's actually a really unhealthy behavior. I'm sure there's an evolutionary reason for it at some point or another. I think it's more of a tribal thing. You know, you feel mm-hmm. like you fit in, somebody starts that conversation off and then and off you go down that mm-hmm. rabbit hole. And it's it's a bit like the comparison one in that it's never going to end in a good place. Mm-hmm. It's never going to end in a good place. But if you train your brain to see things negatively and pick the negatives, then that's that's what you'll also do to yourself. Mm-hmm which can be really tough. Yeah, I, I think one of the most, the the easiest, but so many people think it's too easy to do anything is even just to get in a little bit of a gratitude practice. Like as cheesy as it sounds to have a little notebook and like even every night before you be- go to bed, write three things that you're grateful for for that day or three things that went well, something like that that you're proud of. It can make a drastic change. I know there's scientific studies of how many days you have to do it till it actually starts rewiring your brain. But I think a lot of people hear it and it sounds too simplistic and they're like, oh, what? A- it won't actually make a difference. I think it's, it's, I think it's also good to look back on, on the, you know, the the toughest parts of your life because I think I think most people have had some form of a disaster at some mm-hmm. point and and some people maybe more than half have hit what most people would classify as rock bottom mm-hmm. at least once and I think it's good to look back at those times as well and see okay so this happened and it was really tough what was the positive because there's always a positive that comes out of that And if you can go back to the worst possible times in your life, the worst moments, and you can find the positives in that, then next week when your client annoys you because they do something, you're just like, you know what? I'm sure there's a positive in here somewhere. And then you find the positive Mm -hmm. and then things start to become less tough. You start to be a little bit calmer and just realize that there's always going to be ups and downs, but in every Mm -hmm. situation, there is always going to be a positive. And I think that's really important. I do you know about the, 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 I don't know, Chinese proverb about the, the man with the farmer with the horse? No. <laughs> yeah, I've just gone really off. off it's all good. <laughs> so there's this, like, there's this proverb. I'm not going to try and like uh, do it word for word because that's not going to end well. I've not had enough wine for that. I've not had any wine, by the way, guys. Not, although probably you might think different, but I promise I haven't. Um, no, the this proverb basically is about this farmer and his horse. So he lives in, in uh, somewhere in the middle of nowhere. And he, one day his horse has escaped and the neighbors were like, Oh, that's such bad luck. This is really, uh, really bad news for you. I'm so sorry. What are you going to do? And he just said, maybe, maybe. And the next day the horses, the horses somehow came back and they brought with them some new horses, like some wild horses. And they, they came back. And the neighbors were like, "Oh my god, that's amazing! You've got you've got more horses now. That's that's such good luck." And he was like, "Maybe." And then the next day, the son was trying to ride one of the horses, the wild horses, and he fell off and he broke his leg. Do you know what? I'm doing this really well, word for word, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. You got it. Oh my gosh! So he was riding this, r- trying to ride this horse, and he fell off and he broke his leg. And the neighbors were like, "Oh my god, that's such bad luck! Oh, what's he going to do? He's not going to be able to work." And the farmer said. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe, right? 
And the next day, the army came, the military came, and they were taking the young men to the war. And they saw the farmer's son who had a broken leg and he was left, but everybody else's sons were taken. And the, the neighbors were like, oh, my God, that's what good luck. He didn't, he didn't get taken. You're so lucky. You must be so happy. And the farmer said, maybe. maybe. <laughs> and so it kind of goes on and on. Yeah. And, and every situation, you, you, you can either ride the roller coaster or you can just set, take a step back and just think, you know, this, is this the end of the world? Probably not. Is this right. the best thing that's ever happened? Yeah, it might be, but it also might be a disaster. And I know that's really morbid, <laughs> but having that kind of just back up and don't immerse yourself in it quite so much can be really refreshing as well to just get a new perspective and just think, you know, what would the farmer with the horse? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah. And I, I find it sometimes helpful to just to, to, you know, remind myself, you know, everything always has been fine. Like everything is, I'm, I'm still here. So it's all worked out and it will continue to work out for however it's supposed to work out. And, um, you know, my responsibility is just to, to try to approach each day and each challenge in a way that is proactive. And what's the word I'm looking for? Not beneficial, but something that's more helpful. So like what in any yeah. situation, like you were saying with the, you know, the horse proverb, it's like, oh, this is really bad. This is really good because as humans, we want to label everything as bad and good, yeah. but it really just is. Yeah, and how we is. interpret it is up to us. Definitely. And I think he touched on something a little earlier in terms of we all are alone, mm-hmm. which means that we all have ourselves for company. <laughs> sometimes that's not ideal for one's mental health. That sounded very posh. I know I'm from England and I sound posh, but <laughs> saying one in a sentence is not normal. <laughs> In the one's self. I do have some tea, but I'm not going to drink that right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. In terms of um, the loneliness thing, I think that's really tough. I I had my, my assistant came last Thursday mm-hmm. and she was sat at the table here and we're going through some stuff and she she's really open about her mental health. I've always been very open about, about mine. And that's really useful because it means that if I'm having a bad day, I can just say, look, I'm having a really really rough day and she'll immediately understand and know what to do and the same in reverse and um, she was here and and I said you know I'm just really struggling she said you're putting too much pressure on yourself and you're doing this and she was basically being my amazing therapist but mm-hmm. at the time that she was here we were supposed to be doing a business meeting and actually I had therapy for free <laughs> from someone who's not a therapist but it'd be great um and and she was here and she was saying this and she said you know what I think you've been in this room for too long you're you're he, you're in this for too long. You need to not just get out and be by yourself. <laughs> just you need to just do some other stuff. Do mm-hmm. some things that you used to really enjoy, or try new things that you might really enjoy. And you've been in this room for over a year, not obviously end to end. But I I've right. described it today to the to the client that came for the sales session. Um, because <laughs> I, I do know a reason, kind of kind of reasonably well through other circles so she does dog agility so I know her through that and um so she knows dogs so she's she said oh have you been you know working th- from home throughout like the mm-hmm. whole thing and I said yeah this is my crate <laughs> and she just it's, a, it's a decent size crate but yeah she just looked at me and she's just like I guess it is <laughs> yeah this is my crate um and I'm in my cage. <laughs> this is it. 
And I think I'm just probably going like a little bit mad with my crate training is wearing off and um, I need to go and explore the wild world a little bit more. need some enrichment in that crate. That's social interaction. Like you said, all of our online ones are usually immersed in these groups that potentially are helpful, but Mm -hmm. maybe not all the time, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe not all of the time. And and I've got photography friends, but I also have non-photography friends. Mm -hmm. And when I'm really, really low, although I can speak to my photography friends for kind of like direct support and they can relate to that situation. My non-photography friends are sometimes the best because they, they you just take your mind off of it and they mm-hmm. completely take you into a different world. And, and also it's those people that think that you're a wizard. Like you're just <laughs> actually a mythical creature because of your skills with a camera and Photoshop or whatever it is. And so actually being around them is great because you can say to them, you know, I don't know. I, I think I really screwed up this shoot today. It didn't go very well. I got my lighting wrong. And they're like, what? That's impossible. You're like amazing. You're the best I've ever seen because they're not going in these circles. Right. And they don't see Instagram's highlight reel of the best dog photographers in the world because mm-hmm. they don't go and follow dog photographers, you know? <laughs> right. Right. But I think it's really useful because it just gives yourself a little bit of perspective. Yeah, your client isn't going to be looking at my work. Exactly. That's what I was just going to say. Our clients are not following the best dog photographers in the world either. So when we have this, oh my gosh, they're not going to think it's good enough. They're going to love it because it's their dog. Yeah, exactly. Like I I was freaking out earlier on this week and I was just like, what was if, you know, they don't like it? What was if? And I'm like, what am I doing? It's their dog. They'll cry anyway at the reveal. Like it's going to be fine. (laughs) There's no reason for me to be getting this wound up about it because you've got to think, you know, what are you doing this for? What are you doing it for? Are you doing it for those other dog photographers? Are you doing it for right. clients? Who, who are you doing this for? Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's perspective in that, oh my goodness, they are not going to see somebody else's work. They're not going to be looking at that way. They might have seen a picture and gone, oh, that's really nice. Mm-hmm. Can you do something like that? They don't mean recreate it to the nth degree. They mean mm-hmm. just take a picture of the dog in a flower. It's, it's, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, right. <laughs> saw the floral pictures recently. <laughs> just, I, I got no flowers around this. I saw a bluebell the other day, and I got so excited. And I was like, oh, there's no, I can't do a bluebell picture with one bluebell. <laughs> Works like That's that. Photoshop. Yeah, it's just a clone. <laughs> it's like four hundred cloned bluebells. That same one. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, no, it's so true. It's just so true. Just, just, just give yourself a break. It's yeah. easier said than done, though. And and from from the research that we we did last year, we know that over fifty percent of the photographers that we polled have got markers for what would be classified as a mental illness, such as mm-hmm. depression or anxiety. And it was interesting, actually. One of the questions in the study, the report, was I think it was, did you move into photography as a positive life change? And because we had everybody's answers to previous questions about whether they were diagnosed with a mental illness, whether they had that previously or Mm -hmm. whether it's a recent one, you know, and all that. And it was interesting that the the vast majority of people who said that they had a diagnosed mental illness, mental health condition, the vast majority of those also said that they moved into photography as a positive life change. Mm. And then those people also said that they still experienced their, uh, you know, markers their symptoms mm-hmm. as it were in terms of that and so we need to maybe just take a step back and think like number one if I'm feeling like that 
more than half of the other people feeling like that for a start in that you're just not alone even if mm-hmm. you think you are because no one talks about it a lot most people feel like that mm-hmm. and also there is no gender there is no race there is no geographic location there is no age where that was not true it was the same across the board in terms of how people felt and i think that's really interesting because i think sometimes men don't feel like they've got the permission to be mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. say that they're feeling low or whatever, but actually the men that I know and speak with regularly, not necessarily mental health advocates by any stretch, like proper mm-hmm. lads, lads most of the time. But if you actually have a direct conversation with them and probe them on it, nearly all of them have imposter syndrome. Nearly yeah. all of them feel anxious about sharing their work. Nearly all of them do. So there's no gender difference, which I think is a big stereotype. That yeah, happens. I'm surprised no by that race difference there's no mm-hmm. age difference because I thought age as well I thought age would be like a big one like in that the much older generations right I'm I'm nearly 30 so that's my age um but the much older generations I thought that they would have less of an issue right uh, you know because of just because we're all snowflakes and yeah yeah that's what we're supposed to do you know what, do you know what I mean yeah, yeah. And yeah, actually, and you've been no, here longer, yeah. so you think you'd be more secure in who you are and, exactly. and but, yeah, no, it's relationships. It was, yeah. it was just clear across the board. And, and it was really hard to read those responses. Like, because some of them were uh, like written responses, mm-hmm. and some of them were really tough. Like, there were over 500, and it was just, it was really hard to read some of them. But the best thing for me was that, Jesus Christ, I'm not alone. Mm hmm. It's not just me. And that feeling just made it somehow just easier to manage in that this is clearly something that we're all kind of dealing with. So what can we all do? And what can the trade do? You know, mm-hmm. what can the, the the industry do to try and shift this? And I think it will be a slow process, but I think the more that people talk about the tough sides of it and more the more that people talk about dealing with negativity and dealing with trolls for example like there's me sat like 1am how to deal with trolls like me searching youtube like how do i deal with trolls how do you reply to trolls what do you how do you deal with trolls? like my youtube search history this week is like how do i deal with imposter syndrome how do like oh honestly right right <laughs> i just sat like just it's probably my own fault. I'm feeding the algorithm <laughs> with, <laughs> with these things, but everybody has the insecurities. Everybody yeah. does. There is mm-hmm. nobody, unless you are a narcissist or a sociopath, there is nobody or a psychopath, either of those. <laughs> Interchangeable. One, one of the above. <laughs> unless you are one of those people, you have insecurities, you will feel low, you will feel mm-hmm. good, you will feel also happy, you will feel all of these different things. And that doesn't mean that that you're bad doesn't mean that you're a bad person it just means that you're human yeah and, and i think people like everyone yeah i think people need to give themselves sometimes the permission to feel them because like you said too especially for men that maybe they feel like they're not allowed to feel that way and i think even women will do that too where it's like oh i know i'm supposed to be positive so i'm not allowed to feel this emotion but we know and i'm saying to try to to reframe it it doesn't mean that you can't feel it you know, yeah. you can, you can feel that emotion, but then acknowledge try. that yeah. it's there, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah. And like you say, acknowledge it's there. I try and identify why it's there mm-hmm. and then try and identify either a, what you can do to kind of combat that situation mm-hmm. 
what I would call kind of either eliminate it or manage it. So one or the other and make a plan to do something mm-hmm. different. And I'm, I'm, I am a firm believer that if you write down stuff, write down, I don't, I'm not a journaler. I have tried. It's just not for me. I've got about 4,000 journals. That again, that's an <laughs> Like three pages written in. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that one's not working. Exactly. <laughs> Guilty. Oh, goodness. I didn't look at my bookshelf. <laughs> and sometimes I even like go back and just miss a few pages and try and start again. I still try and do it. So I just got like a bit. Oh my goodness. It's so bad. But I've got all these journals and I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a journaler. It's just not, it's just not who I am. But I do give myself permission to feel awful, mm-hmm. and and I and I always try and work out why. Mm-hmm. What, what has brought me to this point? Most of the time, it's because I'm just really tired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really tired. Everything is worse when you're tired. Everything mm-hmm. is also worse when you're hungry. Mm-hmm. So if you're hungry or tired, just go and sort that out first. <laughs> um, but yeah, most of the time. For me, I know that I feel a lot worse and I, I take things more personally mm-hmm. and I'm also a lot more vulnerable and less resilient when I'm tired. So for me, it's really important that I try and get my sleep and try and manage my sleep and get as good sleep as possible. But it's obviously not always that simple. But in terms of for me, I will also, I can't remember when it was, I think it was last week, I felt so low. And I was just like, I just can't put my finger on like what is going mm-hmm. on. And I think partly I was just really tired, but then there was other stuff playing in and other commitments that I'd signed up mm-hmm. to. I thought actually this isn't going to be healthy for me. This isn't a good plan. I, I, and then do you back out or do you not? Because then are you like leaving people in the lurch or mm-hmm. you've got all of these like mental things <laughs> again, all these thoughts just going and racing, racing. And like, you know, what? I'm just going to go to bed. And- and thankfully, that was an option for me, you right. know, and the, the lifestyle that I have. And then I can just say, do you know what? I'm just going to turn everything off. I'm just going to go to bed. I got well, all of my urgent stuff done. Yeah. And, and just, rarely do we have anything that is absolutely so urgent that we can't say, okay, I'm going to take care of myself right now. Whether, yeah. you know, whether it's food or sleep or just a little self-care of like, take your mind off it and go read a book about something that you find enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. It's just say I think self self care is 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 important, and you, everybody has their own kind of stuff that mm-hmm. that as Rachel, my assistant and part time therapist, apparently, <laughs> would say is that they um, like fill your jar up. So if, like, if your jar is empty and you're feeling really low, go and fill your jar up with things that bring you joy, things mm-hmm. that make you calm, things that add to your resilience levels, and that could be singing really loud it could be going having a bath it could be walking the dog it could be mm-hmm. painting it could be reading it doesn't genuinely doesn't matter what it is mm-hmm. but if one of your reasons for feeling low is that you're lonely which i think is is a common one for us because sometimes we're we're only around our dependents in terms of mm-hmm. kids or uh you know family members or whatever it might be or we're only around um, people that we live with, in which case there's those tensions, because there are tensions mm-hmm. there, no matter how much anyone says that it's perfect to live with somebody else. If you live with someone else, mm-hmm. there are tensions, <laughs> leaving the toilet seat up, for example, you know? So there's always going to be these these different things. I think if, if that's the situation in that you're feeling, you could feel trapped, you could feel isolated. It doesn't matter what you, what you feel. I often sometimes feel claustrophobic, and it, that sounds really strange, but I just feel like, everything's just getting a bit too much. It's like all just getting a bit close. And in mm-hmm. those situations, one of the best things that you can do is go and socialize 
with someone else that's not in your household, which obviously has been next to impossible for the last year because of mm-hmm. coronavirus. But um, there are still ways of doing that. You could go for a walk, but stay mm-hmm. far apart or whatever it might be. You're just being around other people is really helpful. I've really enjoyed this week because it's been the first week I've been out shooting and doing sales sessions and since the start of coronavirus, really. Um, yeah. The first one has been like a like a proper full on week, and mm-hmm. and yeah, I was super nervous because it's been so long. Since. Like, wait, I think, do I remember how to use this thing? <laughs> no, do I press the on button? You know, um, how do I change this ISO thing? Well, what's going on? <laughs> Why is my exposure really bright? <laughs> it's just like I can't work out how to do this. And, you know, the, uh, yeah, I did make some mistakes. I think everybody makes mistakes. Mm-hmm. Every photographer makes mistakes. Yeah, and I think every session that I shoot, literally everyone, I don't know if there's ever been one where this didn't happen, where I came home and uploaded my images and I wasn't like, oh, I should have done that too. Yeah, definitely. I think it like all the time. It was funny. Uh-huh. I had um, a student here was teaching in person, which was so nice because that's something <laughs> as well that I've just not done for right. ages. Although it did mean I had to really clean. Well, I didn't. I think Dan did most of the cleaning too bad, but I helped and I supervised that situation. Um, but no, the, this um, student came around, this guy, really nice guy. Um, he was there for the full day. But part of the day, we were, we were at the table and he was on his laptop and, and we were working on his stuff. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what it was, but I turned around and, and uh, moved to the Mac, the iMac, just to, just to do something. And there was... Uh, photos up from the day before which was a test shoot and they were in Lightroom it was all the raw files completely unedited straight out of camera you know just straight out and mm-hmm. in my defense they weren't as badly as exposed as my normal images are because I always underexpose I think it's mm-hmm. historically a personal preference to just go and save the highlights to the nth degree but these actually weren't that bad it was a super bright day fair anyway these raw files came up on the screen and it was like the um, lightroom gallery view so he could see maybe 12 uh-huh. on the screen and none of them had been called they just were all straight there off yep. the card and he just turned around and just and he sort of paused for a second as i'm trying to like find the mouse and you know get to whatever we needed to look at and he's like wait i said what and he said they your raw files i said yeah he said they look like mine <laughs> I'm like, what were you expecting here? <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> like, what did you what were you what were you expecting? I was like, yeah. I was like, of course they do. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's what I, yeah. I think a lot of people too, they're like I they I always hear people, oh man, I was taking action photos and I can't get them all in focus. Yeah. Like, well, do you have some in focus? I'm like, yes. I'm like, Great. Okay then. <laughs> like not all of mine are in focus. I think there's like there's only been one time where I've had a dog run, you know, full pelt straight at uh-huh. you. Like a, like a proper fast dog. Not like a steady dog, like a fast dog running yeah. straight at you. And there's only been one time that I've got every single shot of a full burst. Yeah. Pack shop. And that was on a Canon One DX. Like the most expensive at the time, it was like the most expensive. Um, it was a good few years ago. It yeah. weighed about four tons. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was so heavy, um, but it, it nailed it. It nailed all of them, and I was just like, "That was amazing." <laughs> but I, I don't want that. I don't. It's too heavy. Yeah, it's too much money. Especially I mean, when you put that seventy to two hundred on it. Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> "The." It was a student's camera, and because 
she was just like, you know, I, I can't seem to get this bit right. And I was like, hey, let, you know, let me have a go. And, and I was like, this is epic. <laughs> I was like, you, I'm so jealous, but also not because of the weight. But that was the only single time. And I reckon that if, you know, I'd have been working on a shoot and the, the dog hadn't ran exactly perfectly straight right. towards us, there is no way that that would have all been focused. And um, it was funny. I was, I was on the shoot the other day and this guy, it's like, didn't know how to use a camera, didn't know how to do anything. He was like, oh, I just bought a Sony camera and I thought that it would take good pictures, but it doesn't. And I was like, I was like, okay, what Sony camera do you have? And he said, I have the A7R Mark III. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> you spent how much on a camera? You don't know how to use it? Anyway, he had this, this camera and he genuinely did not know how to use it but he was expecting that because it was a good right, camera because he was able to yeah. picture. and he mm-hmm. said well it says it's got animal IAF but it, it doesn't seem to be getting them in focus when they run towards me and I'm thinking you know if he's on auto and on like a sport mode it should get maybe a couple because it'll yeah. be such a deep depth of field it'd be such a small aperture in those situations because they just wrap the ISO don't they and just have like on auto yeah and I was like do you know what actually no I I don't find IAF I find it amazing nearly all of the time, but it's perfect. Right. You still have to have a level of skill there and you still have to have that practice. Mm-hmm. And uh, even on the Sony A9, you, you don't get every single photo in perfect focus. It just doesn't happen. But I think maybe maybe we should, people who are being watched for their photography, for lack of a better description, should maybe share the oops more, like the right. oops moments more, because then maybe other people wouldn't feel so bad for making right. a mistake i don't know i know yeah. i shot i shot some of the shoot the other day at like a stupid shutter speed well it was an action shutter speed which also meant it was an action iso mm-hmm. in a very dark wood but the dogs were definitely stationary <laughs> so it's like those situations i look back and I'm just go damn it <laughs> I switched that. it's because we've just been doing action right. but you know when you're like so in the moment uh-huh. and oh like, yeah i do that all the time it. and exactly. yeah you're like not- oh i totally forgot to change my settings there <laughs> but then if i go and post that to like instagram or youtube uh-huh. or something and the settings are there everybody comes at me like well the right. dogs are moving so why did you shoot that and yeah, i'm like no, I, just- I don't i don't care what the settings are yeah <laughs> is it sharp is it well exposed great right. perfect we're fine right <laughs> yeah yeah and, you know, just depending how much you have to pull it up and is there that yeah. like noise that you have to deal with and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, 100%. Like, Man, this conversation has been so, long. so good. <laughs> no, but it's been so good. It's all things that people need to hear. I think you and I could talk on about all yeah. this stuff for like days. <laughs> like, <I> probably could. <laughs> well, what's that about good sleep that you wanted? Because it's now like almost 8.30 your time. So we're going to go till midnight. <laughs> I'm not eating yet. I need to go and eat something. I think I need to go prep for the shoot tomorrow. I've got, you know, when you just don't put anything on charge, but you know, you really should have put everything on charge. That's like me. I'm I'm going to have to go around and just get everything out. I put it all on charge. I know all of my strobes are dead. I know they all are. I know that I've got stuff in the, like the attic, the loft. Do you guys have lofts? Do you guys have lofts? Uh, Attic. We call it attic. Yeah. Yeah. Loft is like a living space that's open. So like we have a loft in our house, but it's just like a couch. Like on the top of the steps, it's just kind of like an open-ish room. You would not want to be in my loft. (laughs) 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 Like our attic, you know, going up there, I've got like loads of stuff because this is such a teeny tiny house. But yeah. So if I need to like put stuff in storage, it goes up in the loft in the attic. (laughs) That's so weird. (laughs) 
It's strange, but no, yeah. Sorry, I I do tend to talk. It's all good. It's been so good. It's been so good. And I think so many people, um, at least half, will completely identify with all of I hope all the things we talked about. At least something in that ramble was useful for someone because if it was, then great. We've done good. Yeah. No, I think it was because truly all of us battle with one of these things that we talked about at some point so thank you thank you thank you again jessica um let us know again where everybody can find you online if they want to follow you but be nice obviously (laughs) because we're the hair of the dog community and we're nice no if you're not going to be nice and then I'm not interested. Yeah. <laughs> no. uh, you find me on YouTube, really, is this kind of like the main hub of everything. So that photography spot, not always about dogs, but most of the time, <laughs> I have access because to dogs. four, and dogs are great. So, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so on there is the main place where we're at. Okay, perfect. Thank you again for being here with us, Jessica, and uh, everybody else. We'll see Thank you next week. You. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to the Hair of the Dog podcast. If you want to check out the show notes for access to any of the links that we shared in this episode, as well as any additional resources, this was episode number 75. So simply go to www.hairofthedogacademy.com slash 75. Thanks for listening to this episode of Hair of the Dog podcast. If you enjoyed this show, please take a minute to leave a review. And while you're there, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss our upcoming episodes. One last thing. If you are ready to dive into more resources, head over to our website at www.hairofthedogacademy.com. Thanks for being a part of this pet photography community. 